whenever my world falls apart I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew Not with you to lean on, darlings, you Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is a performer and choreographer and just one of the nicest people I know. It's Patrick O'Neill, everybody. Hi, Patrick Flynn. I'm a long-time listener, first-time guest. There we go. Uh, That's excellent. Yeah, Patrick (laughs) and I have been... Well, okay, so... I'm actually going to jump right in to tell the folk. You're here to talk about... Swing. It don't be a thing if it ain't got that swing. Do what, 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 do what. It don't be a thing. All you got to do is sing. Do what, 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 do what. Well, it make no difference if it's sweet or hot. Just give that rhythm everything. So, I, Pat, Pat and I have known each other for 20 years, more than 20 Don't years. T- watch your mouth. And I say that because I, I love you and I respect <laughs> you as an artist and, and as a theatrical mind. You and I have spent many a time walling away our, our you know, in in, uh, in various bars, our opinions of the way theater yes. should be. Yes, uh, we know the corner of Joe Allen very well. Absolutely, very, very, very well. well. Yes. Very well. Uh, but man, v- listening to this cast up, <laughs> just, it didn't bring me joy. Is that the way I can I put it, put it that way? It didn't I'm going to walk you through it. Through, I'm going to get Please. you through it. I'm so, going to get I'll, you through I'll get it. You, well, I'll kick you off. How did swing come <laughs> into your life? Well, you know, it was one of those things that it, it, it was a weird season, right? Like it was like yeah. the, 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 like the, the weird, like 99 into 2000 season. Yeah. So there was like some weird stuff happening in New York and, um, I, I was going through a transition that was going to take me to Washington, D.C. to meet you. So it was like yes. my summer of freedom after um, I finished high school. And um, honestly, the only reason I went to see it was because um, the Loud Party closed. <laughs> <laughs> and I had tickets to the Loud Party and they closed. Oh, after, you know, like- wow. Four days. They didn't win any Tonys, oh, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, um, and I was like, well, I guess I'll go see that. And so, I know this is an original cast album podcast. So, like, yeah. I, I also, I'm, I'm happy to walk through the sonic architecture of the experience. But like, I remember being punched in the face by this show because I'd never seen dancing like this. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think for me, like, what what I still take with it, um that i'm sure when i suggested this you were like say what like you know we, we go on deep dives about like interludes and song time and you're like what right. are we Swing? talking about yeah, right. together well the reason i think it's so impactful to me is because it wasn't a thing and then it was like they made a show and mm-hmm. they they somehow like strung together some of the greatest songs ever written and some of the arrangements are like awesome and some of them are like what are you like big swings and big misses and um but in person there are things that i just remember being struck by going 
somebody had to sit around and come up with an idea and come up with a way to make these songs have a have some semblance of a through line and like you know Anne Hampton Calloway and um uh Everett Bradley doing the first date with no lyric I'm like that is just those are the I was like I wish I could be a fly on the wall in that room because it's just so original and pulling things from the ether that like it was the first time I saw something like that because I was mm. weird on like Beauty and the Beast and Cats and Phantom in these like narrative book shows and um and I and I really didn't quite develop my Sondheim snobbery until after I met you but right. like <laughs> But but so this was That's like great. the first time. <laughs> it's my fault. That's great. It's, <laughs> it's your fault. It's um, entirely my fault. <laughs> so this was like the first time in my young adult life that I was like, oh, you can just make things, and like you can mm. make things that didn't exist before. Um, now they they don't have to necessarily be you know gold. They don't have sure. to be you know um, I I lame is, but like there's the, I think that um, the marriage between song and idea and particularly these singers like the women in this thing are mm. unbelievable. Like mm. Anne Hampton Calloway, it was it's like a religious experience like watching her work. Um, and I little little you know eighteen year old Pat O'Neill from. Rhode Island was like um uh, I'd never heard singing like that like I never mm-hmm. heard someone make sounds like that and breathe the same air as them so it was it was like it was a very influential thing for me because um uh, of where I was in my life when it happened and when it hit me but I also kind of like humorously credit it with everything that I've ever done since because like you know I mean we we are cut from the same cloth in the sense that like we just like to make shit and so but this was this was the thing for me that i was like like oh oh oh, oh." you can just like Mm -hmm. you can just you can there are ways to string things together there's a craft to it there's um there's inspiration behind things and and whether it works or not is irrelevant as long as you just make the thing Mm -hmm. well that i mean yes and i that is a it's really interesting that while you like you have that experience seeing this show just across town contact is playing doing similar similar things but in a in a much much how do i put this i want to say much less musical theater-y way and i think that's right it's not an insult i love contact i think contact is is a tremendous achievement but it is dance it has dialogue it's a little singing but it is a dance show and this is a musical yeah that's it it is a musical without without a book basically it's just they are turning all of these songs into music theater moments yeah and much much like like i mean it's it's so we get into really muddy waters when we start to talk like this but like much like smoky joe's cafe did there Mm -hmm. was there was kind of a thought like they're like you kind of Mm -hmm. tracked these uh, the idea of these people through the evening and even that it was kind of like um it was kind of like the um the first experience of a song cycle really i mean like go go on on a limb with me with this but like it's like the first experience of a song cycle i had where you were actually following an idea through and you were mm-hmm. following relationships through and um and though i worship at the throne of susan stroman like i like truly yeah what i mean there I, I i bow i bow in homage at any opportunity i get the thing about contact that was always funny for me particularly in this season is that it was canned music and so that was like super controversial in the in the, in oh, the yeah. day when, when they took home the, the hardware 
because yeah, there yeah. were there was no live music. And oh, so, yeah. you know, down on 45th Street, 44th Street at the St. James, there was like a, a crazy band. Like the arrangements in this thing are unbelievable. Whether or not they're successful is irrelevant. The brass section alone was worth the price of the ticket. Like <laughs> it was unreal. And um and you know, and, and the other side of it too is I know it's an original uh, a cast recording podcast, but um, I'd never seen dancing like that. Like I, mm-hmm. it was it was so energetic and so athletic, and um, uh, it, it was it was just one of those things that you I, it opened my eyes to to um to what we do in a way that um is probably like hyper commercial and really annoying, but like I I got it. Like I was like I see this. I see what people are buying, and I mm-hmm. see how people are making this thing that I didn't really know existed. And like the well, little old ladies from New Jersey were dying. They loved it. <laughs> they were, you know, like <laughs> I was just like looking around the theater going, this is, they're eating it up with a spoon. Well, and it is, it is funny that it didn't, to me, that it didn't run longer. I mean, it ran for two years, almost two years. And well, you would, yeah. You, you know, I have a, I have a connection to that, that theater. And I, I you know, right. it is a cave. So yes, if there is a true. whiff, a whiff, of mediocrity on that stage mm-hmm. and no one comes and it feels like the place is completely empty. <laughs> hey, take it from someone that's been stuck out there on one of those nights. Oh, oh my. <laughs> well, we called it the horseshoe of death. There was just like empty seats in like the horseshoe of the orchestra, like empty horseshoe seats around. Really? The yeah. Oh that's yeah. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. 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 That yeah. is it's really so big. Well, see now that's funny. Having only sat in, the balcony of the St. James. I think. I think I'm right about that. I don't have a sense of that. That's sure. really interesting. So we saw Kelly and I saw um Gypsy and um something rotten. In, yeah, there, in, yeah. Yeah. No horse and, no horse shooting of death on either of those. Right. Those but are... also, but I but like I get it's so fun because but when you're when you're up in the a Broadway house because you don't like in a in a in a in a nor in a quote unquote normal theater you you always just sort of walk in you know, you park your car you walk in and it's you get a sense of the scale of the place but yes. in a Broadway house unless you go down into the orchestra and kind of turn around and look it's really really hard to get a sense of how large it is because you're often getting shuffled straight in from the street to your seat and then straight back out again. Um, that's interesting because like I, I would have. <laughs> yeah. So uh, people should probably I should probably let people know you made it was your Broadway debut, right? All two weeks of it. Pat, Patrick <laughs> was was in the original, not the original cast. I should say it is. a It was a revival mm-hmm. um, uh, of uh, On a Clear Day. You can see forever uh, the show that the revival that launched exactly one career. Uh, and and starred uh Harry Connick Jr. Now what a career, but it did but one but one one there was yes. one survivor from that show. Yes, yes. And she did she's doing quite well. She's that doing she, great, and she's doing Jesse, great. That Jesse Miller is doing just fine. That kid's that kid's going places. <laughs> she's got um, she's got promise. Yeah. Uh and I want to get back to that. Uh I want to get back to On a Clear Day also. But um that is a really interesting perspective that like because uh, you've also worked at like the Winter Garden doesn't sort of have that vibe to me as being a wider kind of well, er, you're win- all, everybody's a little bit closer where you did your choreographing on the uh, School of Rock. 
Yeah, the Winter Garden is crazy because it's a. I mean, I, and so is the Saint James. I mean, they're all weird because they're, they're all, all like you know yeah, yeah. they're all like crammed into certain specific lots, you know. Right. But um, yeah. the Winter Garden is a city block long, and so like this, yeah. like literally from from all the way stage left to all the way stage right, you're like you're you're making off uh, from off stage to off stage. It's a city block wide, and right. so um, and and the Winter Garden is crazy because I don't know I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but like it was originally the Vanderbilts built it as the American Horse Exchange, so there is no height in the building because it was a stable so like mm. if you go up into the vaults of the building you can still see like what the the um you know the trellising of what like this the original architecture of the building was it was a stable and so oh, wow. when they when the the they, they turned it into a legitimate theater there um the, it, they they had they couldn't go up because they they weren't going to pay to do any reno so right. they they kept the wide birth of the the orchestra uh, section and so what's so great about it is particularly the balcony at the winter oh, garden yeah. is oh banging. yeah because you're never there's only like six rows it's so yeah. intimate and so for a theater that's one of the largest on broadway it, it is deceptively deceptively intimate like it's really yeah. wonderful um whereas when you are out there at the saint james you feel like you might as well be radio city like honestly because oh, wow. it's so tall it's so yeah. so tall and the balcony we didn't even sell we didn't even sell the balcony because <laughs> I spent a, I spent a show or two up there noting the show, but it was I didn't I mean I never I I, I was the only one up there, um, but uh, yeah, it's so funny how different they all are. You know, it's it's uh, oh yeah, they all have their own quirks and things, and I, it's always funny. That's what's always so funny to me about when shows move theaters. Yeah, yeah is I'm yeah. just like, man, that's got to be a thing. Like yeah. to. For to take a show like uh, the Les Mis is always the example I think of. To think of it, Les Mis was at the Broadway, which is another massive theater, and then moved to the Imperial, which yeah. is much more. You know, it's a smaller house, but it's it's also much more like kind of a it's it's a tighter house. Yeah. In general, it that what what that must have been like the first night they were like walking out on stage and be like, oh god, okay, never mind. Like here I am, like at this yeah thing. And I think like you're, you're totally hitting a nail on the head because like like when they moved Mamma Mia to the Broadhurst uh, for right. the last from year from the Winter two, Garden from right? the Winter yeah. Garden and you got that yeah. the, what that the Winter Garden is so um like uh unique and so mm-hmm. it becomes the the space itself becomes part of the identity of the play you know right and so then all of a sudden when you're like in this little jewel box of it might as well be like a roadhouse in Philly like it's you it's what is that what I didn't see what it. is I mean, it I, yeah I I didn't go back to see it at, at the Broadhurst but um <laughs> I, I, I but I'd be curious to hear yeah. about about sure. somebody that did um you know yeah it's crazy it's crazy and um um and in, in, in all of it, you know, it's like it's it's so um, it, it either does the show in or it makes it fly in 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 many ways. And um, um, oh my god, I had another thought about the about what you said, lame is. Oh yeah, lame is. So then when um, in like what? Oh god, oh five, no seven, seven like seven or eight, they brought mm-hmm. it back. Do you remember? And it played the Broadhurst, and it was like oh yes, the ro- it was with Daphne Rubin Vega and Celia Keenan Bolger and. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Max von Essen and Adam Jacobs and Gary Beach and why am I remembering all of this? And um, 
But what was so great about seeing it there, because I never got, I never saw it in New York. I always saw road companies of it, which were still fantastic. Mm-hmm. But right. like, to see it at the Broadhurst, it was like pouring out into the theater. Like the boxes kind of became part of it. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and because it's so, so intimate there, it was so special. Cause like I've, you'd never, I've never thought of Les Mis as something as being intimate. It was the same show. It was the same set. It was probably a touring set. I mean, Cameron, you know, Right. recycles so yeah, i'm sure that it, i'm sure it wasn't anything new but um it 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 was so interesting to see see it so small particularly when everything you've heard about it in new york right that it was is so that big, it's you know the biggest thing going um, yeah yeah it was cool. Well, I, th- was cool. I, I do think it's it's something people also disregard when they talk about why cats was so successful the cats playing at the winter garden like the ability to move around the house Yes. It, as the cats and also to have, like you say, the width and not yes. the height really yes. does, like it, 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 people discount that. A lot yes. show. Like the show, not only getting like getting a theater on Broadway is hard enough when you're trying yeah. to book a theater, but getting the right theater is like, yeah. is incredibly challenging and not yeah. everybody, not everybody does it. Obviously. Yeah. And, and you know, what's speaking of revivals, the, that cats revival that Andy did, mm-hmm. um, Right, it, it played the Neil Simon, and that right. I, I I was lucky enough to go to the openings. Um, a cat's is also the reason why I like do what I do. So I was like a kid in a friend candy store that <laughs> night. I was like, I'm in the little cat. Um, but uh, again, weird because what you know is it being so expansive, and this mm-hmm. was like this is kind of a like you know it's it's a it's a big house, but it's narrow, and so right. you're like sitting there and you're you see the whole thing as opposed to being. In, enveloped in the whole thing mm-hmm. um it was a totally different experience i mean it was again you've seen it on the road you know how that goes but right. like um it, it felt like the touring company you know in, yeah. the, in terms of the design um and that was that was interesting you know yeah going back to new york I, to see cats on broadway and it feeling like like the road show yeah, yeah i yeah. yeah well i saw cats i i saw cats the best way you can see it in my opinion which is at toby's dinner theater because how dare you <laughs> nothing no but hang on Stick with me now. I'm not. Be- I'm only uh, being partially facetious because there is there is nothing that keeps cats right where it needs to be than watching the show and then having old Deuteronomy serve you your Salisbury steak. Like it really, it's but it's perfect because it's like you can at no point take it too seriously, and that's <laughs> like this is the best way to see cats. I really don't believe, believe it. it. People don't yeah. believe it. I was just working with um, a friend of mine who used to be a casting director, and now he's running North Carolina Theater. And we were sitting in tech, and we were talking about, there's like, I mean, quite, I, I do not consider myself one of these anointed people by any stretch of the imagination. But like Caroline Bowman went through Toby's. Like, oh, people Toby's have, is. People oh, have gone yeah. through that place. And so he was like, somehow Toby's came up and he's like, you worked at Toby's? Like everybody in New York <laughs> knows of this mythical place where there's like right. spinach, spinach funk and like Salisbury steak being served by characters. And I was like, yeah, you know, you'd like, you'd, you'd wait tables beforehand and then you'd go do the, fir- get made up. You'd go do the right. first act and then you'd show up with an apron on in pina coladas on on a tray and be like hope you're enjoying the show and right like you can't believe it but but like that's how i moved to new york i like made enough well but that's 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 the other thing about so i mean like if you don't for those of you who've never heard of toby's dinner theater toby's dinner theater is down here in in dc it's out in um what what town is it actually columbia it's in columbia maryland that's right and it is 
the other thing you have to kind of explain to people, I thought you were going to say the thing I've had to explain to younger people is dinner theater, because that sure. was a real thing. I think when we were little, I yeah. remember my parents used to go to, oh, yeah. I think it's three little bakers in Wilmington, Delaware. Um, and it was dinner. Th- now, they didn't have the actors as waiters. That was a waiters. There was you know separate thing. Waiters. And then- wait, 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 wait. Are you, are you saying I did not have to I didn't have to wait at the tables? Well, you did at Toby's. There's two, oh, there's two different kinds oh, of dinner theater is what I'm, you know. Okay, I get, I get, oh, no. You think Toby was going to pay people <laughs> twice? No, 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 no. Toby doesn't pay people twice. But it so. But the thing about Toby's is that it, it, it for some reason, <laughs> it's been surviving for 50 years, I think, at this point. And it is this the old version of dinner theater, which is the actors are the waiters. And like you said, so many people have gone through it, including like, I mean, Edward Norton, Academy Award nominee, Edward Norton grew up around there. Credits Toby as being the person who got him to be an actor. And what I think people disregard about the fact is that one of the reasons you guys all go through Toby's is because you get paid and you get tips. So you yes. actually make money at Toby's, yes. like real money at Toby's. Yes. So you, people you really want to work there. Yeah. You really people do. People want to work yeah. at those shows. Yeah. And and the one thing, I mean, I will, I do remember the night we, the night after we opened, I was standing behind the door of an oven waiting to roll out dressed head to toe in Lycra with makeup on my face. And I was like, mm-hmm. what have I signed up for? <laughs> because it was six months. We did it for right, six months. That's the months. other thing you did. Yeah. And it was that's eight a shows a week for six months. And so that's like how I learned how to do that. Like, I didn't know, yeah. I, you know, I learned how to do that in Columbia, Maryland. I learned how to pace myself. I learned what, a, what an A minus show was. You know what I mean? Like what a B plus mm-hmm. show was. Because, you, you know, you got to get through. You got to get through. Right. Yeah. You got to give what you have. And that's oh the, uh... the the other thing I think about all is so funny. You brought that up because I was just thinking about this the other, like a week ago, how I'm 99.9% sure we were dancing on concrete. Like I'm 99% oh, yeah. sure there was oh, just like yeah. a little bit of Marley on a concrete floor. And I oh, never yeah. thought about it when I was doing it. But like, now I understand why it takes 10 minutes to get out of bed in the morning. Like yeah, I, I was going to say, knees retroactively, your knees start to fall apart in that, you know. <laughs> It's a. Uh, who were you in that? In in that one, I was the magical Mister Mistopheles. You were Mister Mistopheles. Okay, I thought so. Because I knew because Michael Kenny was our waiter and he was old Deuteronomy and that's what I. Yes, that's how yes, yes, it. yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. That 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 reference is for like four people. But um, so yeah. But it's this is all of a piece though. I think like to what you're to what you're talking about with the fact that like so I did also see Swing, not the best way possible. I saw Swing at a high school because my cousin-in-law was in it. Um, which if you've never seen, you know, 50 white Catholic school teenagers with zoot suits swinging watch chains and like trying their very best, it's, it's pretty funny. Uh, but (laughs) great, obviously like, and the band at this high school was tremendous and really blew, blew the doors off the place. So that was really good. Um, but it, it, I'm glad you, (laughs) I'm glad it was the seeing of it that really brought this show over to you because like as an album, this is really flat. Like it is, the, like you say, some of the arrangements really cook. Yes. Um, and like you've got, let's just say, Anne, Anne Hampton Calloway. Laura Benanti. Hit me with a heart note and watch me bounce. Hit 
five out of five but it is just a it's a very long album there's a lot of medleys and it sort of becomes insistent after a while these songs just rolling into each other it was the first cast album in a long time where i was like i need a break i need i know well (laughs) you know in preparation for this moment because you know we've been talking about this moment for a couple weeks now right so i was like like last week i was on a drive and i was like i think i need to crack that open again just to make sure i remember what this is about and it is funny because if you didn't see it i totally get it because like the, the when it's when i when i'm in the car driving i was like oh yeah and this is when caitlin carter uh like the famous blonde from the chicago ads right mm-hmm. who's just like you right. know 500 feet tall and has like legs for days is literally hiding behind a stand-up base and just like the leg comes out on it's like burned in my brain i mean visuals were unbelievable and then there's there's a whole um there's a whole section uh called show me what you got and it's these two dueling dance couples one's like a latin couple and one is a west coast swing couple and the west coast swing couple um i actually ended up dating the guy but um that's the story for another podcast (laughs) um but um it was unbelievable and then the the latin couple the latin dance couple they had this costume change where she would like chene away and he grabbed onto the skirt and she went away and then came back and the costume changed color like it was like all of oh, that wow. kind of stuff where right. Laura, Benant- Laura Benanti sings hit me with a hot note and she's like this weird little like dorky waitress and her dress tore away and then all of a sudden like a nightclub or came around like it was just the kind of visuals that you're like I didn't know you could do that. Like yeah. these are, you know, so I fully acknowledge my, um, my, uh, the pastiche of my nostalgia influenced my choice this evening. Well, sure. Well, if it hadn't, then you don't belong here. I mean, this is all, <laughs> but it really, no, like, but that's the, the great, the great celebration for me is, is I was watching the other day, um, Almost Famous, which is one of my favorite movies, as it yes. turns out. It was not a movie I really liked when it came out, but over the years, it has grown for me in appreciation. And Philip Seymour Hoffman's character in that he plays Lester Bangs, who is a rock journalist. He has a lot of great pull quotes about that I find very applicable to theater. And one of the things he says is that, and obviously he's talking about rock and roll in this case, but I think it applies to theater, is they will ruin rock and roll and strangle everything we love about it. You know, because they're trying to buy respectability for a form that is gloriously and righteously dumb. You know, you're smart enough to know that. And the day it ceases to be dumb is the day it ceases to be real. Right? And then it just becomes an industry of cool. And I was like, that is how I feel in a lot of ways about musical theater. That is not to say that there isn't like... This is nothing again. You know, I, I, I've i gone on this show and pontificated about great art. My favorite musical is Sunday in the Park with George. There's nothing dumb about that show, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, I love big swings that are kind of stupid. Because and and this is that so and it's it's cats at Toby's it's all those things the, that is there's so much joy in those sorts of experiences and in those like 
grand moments that you're just like, you can't do that anywhere else. I can't no. find anywhere else. And that makes me so happy. No. And it's funny because like, I also think that, um, you know, I, 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 the, I, the, the careers that that particular, that swing in particular kind of launched. And I'm even thinking of like from the chorus, like the, the dancers that have come out, Lauren Lataro, who's now like, you know, choreographing literally everything on Broadway. Um, oh yeah. Was in, was in the, it was, I think it was her first Broadway show as a dancer. Like the people that came through that company too are just kind of legendary now. Mm-hmm. And, and that's also part of it too, is like, um, that weird thing about like watching, working with the people you watched growing up is like mm-hmm. strange and wonderful and like, you know, totally your own little secret. But um, that that's that it's this kind of, gen- it's this generation for me. And, and I think that the idea of like, you know, what you're saying about big swings and um, th- this one is, this one is its own thing, you know, swing is its own, like kind of like after midnight kind of, you know, Smokey Joe's ish kind of medley show. Sure. But like, when like, I'll let you bring up clear day, however you want to bring up clear day, but like, let, let's talk about Michael Mayer for a second, because like, mm. he's one of those people where I go talk about big, I don't know if I can curse, but big you can curse. fucking swings. Like, sure. he, and while they all aren't home runs, they all bring us something. And like, mm-hmm. he, like our show was not commercially successful and, but it brought us Jesse Mueller. Uh, mm-hmm. He, he brought us Sutton Foster. He brought us Spring Awakening. He brought us uh, Roger Bart in Triumph of Love. Like, so the mm-hmm. things that like he has, I've always said that like that, while it's impossible to emulate anybody's career, um, that's the kind of methodology that I prescribe to. It's like, I don't know. You don't ever know what it's going to be, but if you don't swing big, mm-hmm. um, pun intended, then, right. um, then it, who knows? Like, I mean, it could, it could run away and become some, you know, could become Starlet swing could have become Starlet express. It could be running in Dayton, Ohio in Germany, for 35 right, for, years. For you know what eternity. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and that's, yeah. So let's talk about clear day. Cause I think it's, it's, it's important. Uh, and so you, you, <laughs> So on a clear day, you can see forever. Um, yes. And, yes. and patrons, patrons of the podcast will have heard me talk about on our Patreon, the the film version with with Miss yes. Mar- Barbara Joan. Yes. Uh, this this is a sh- and also we just talked about it um, not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago in relation to Barbara Harris, who was the original in, in that role. And the show was largely it was not conceived for her, but it was written for it was once she became involved, it was written for her. Um, and her sort of comedic abilities. But this is a show that like ate up people and a movie too, that like ate careers for a while. Like it was supposed to be Richard Rogers and Alan J. Lerner. And then like Richard Rogers had to drop out because he just couldn't anymore. And right. and also he was he was he was old. Okay, but there's yeah. a lot of reasons, but still yeah. like he, <laughs> he just couldn't he just couldn't anymore with this. And on a clear day to me. He's a great example of a show that worked, I think, exactly one place. And that's in Alan J. Lerner's head. Like it was working in here and he it, there has really never been a truly successful version of that show that makes perfect sense. And people keep no. trying. There's some good songs trying. in there. They yeah. keep trying really, really hard. But so you I mean, let, let's set, let's set the stage for folks. The year is 2011 the and it's 2011. Young, young, uh, young, young Pat O'Neill is is in New York and is cast as your you know swing in this show. It's Harry Connick Jr. Yeah, it's a big, you know, kind of '60s revival, which is 
a thing in that moment. I mean, you were, we're a year or two away from, um, or no, I think, uh, how to succeed had, had come and we, we opened in the same season actually, because there we go. So, yeah. Rose, Rosie and I were working Rose, right. with each other. Yeah. That's yeah. right. So it's a big, you know, it's all happening. It's, it's, it feels very current. It's doing really well. And you tell a story that I have recounted, but I want you to tell it on this podcast. Oh, I don't think I've ever told it on this podcast, but I've told it to other people of what opening night of on a clear day you can see forever was like, but sort of leading up to that. I think what I, I want listeners to sort of understand is what a, a show like that looks like from the inside. Like when you're in the middle of the storm, like yes. going actually, into rehearsals I, and all that, like how, how yes. did that feel? Yeah. I so appreciate that because like you, you um, there's so many, there's so my friends for a time called me the kiss of death because I think there's five or six shows to my credit that I was a part of out of town that died before they reached the great uh, uh, Broadway. So yeah. like, I, 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 I appreciate this, this conversation because I have, I've seen, I've, I have, you know, I've seen the coming of the glory of the coming of the Lord and um, on all of them. And, and the thing is, is like, you do have to go to this funny place where you just like, you, 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 you have to put on your rose colored glasses and show up to work because that's, mm-hmm literally what you're paid to do um clear day was really um special for me because it was like my first foray into the you know the broadway scene and i I was i was actually i was hired to assist uh the choreographer before i was actually cast in the show so we they had done a uh they were they brought the idea to vassar uh new york stage and film Mm -hmm. and anika noni rose was playing uh melinda wow brian darcy james was um uh uh harry connick jr's part Mm-hmm. And it went really well. And Anika decided that she wasn't going to do it. And I can't remember what the reasoning was. Um, and then they were talking about getting Gwyneth Paltrow. And then, wow, they were ta- okay. then they were talking about going with Brian and Gwyneth, allegedly, going to the vineyard, the vineyard. And mm-hmm. we were going to do this thing downtown off Broadway. And it was going to be small. And it was going to be like really creative and like beatsy and downtown and um and that was my understanding is that was the original i'm like i'm also you know even though i was behind the table i was you know two heartbeats you're not privy to every right right, yeah right and i'm not making any i'm not calling any shots here so um but um but again this was an mfa like this experience was an mfa yeah i did not need to go to grad school and after this and so what happened, I guess, was, is that Harry got wind that this was going to happen and he loved the score. Like he loved the original score and he wanted to sing the tune. So when Harry signed on, they saw a little bit more commerciality in its future. And mm-hmm. so they decided to go bigger. And I think Brian, the, the, the timing of it, Brian was doing smash. So he was unavailable mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were a lot of those things that kind of, you know, were piecing together. And so we, we, what, what I, I knew, all I knew was that there was going to be a lab in the summer. There was going to be a workshop in the summer and we were working at 890 Broadway and, um, they hadn't found, uh, Melinda. They didn't find Mm -hmm. the leading lady. 
And I remember, and I've told this story to her face, so I don't feel bad about it. But um, I walked in the first day and Jessie Mueller comes up to me. She goes, hi, I'm Jess. And she shakes my hand. And she looked like she had literally just rolled off a bus. Like she had just mm-hmm. literally showed up in New York. And I thought, oh, how cute this this little chorus girl is going to, you know, make her Broadway debut in this the ensemble of this show with us. That's really right. lovely. And then she goes and she sits down and... Um, and we did a table read and Harry was there. He did the table read and then he left. And Mark Kudish actually did the workshop with us um, because Harry was doing something else. So Kudish sure. put it on its feet and um, and Mueller goes and she sits down next to Harry. And I was like, oh, and then she opened her mouth and I was like, oh, yeah. Um, so the great pleasure of that summer was working at 890 Broadway down in Union Square, like having lunch in the park with Mm -hmm. like every, like it was the most New York-y thing I think I've ever done. And, um, you know, the spirits and the walls were incredible and the, they were doing rewrites and it was that the premise is right. So, okay. So the original. Yeah, that's probably important for folks to understand. It's because, because it's not like, this is not a straightforward musical, like book musical theater. This is a complicated show. Yes. And so the original is that this character, um, uh, Daisy, is um, a little high strung. She she in the original, she has some kind of magical powers that makes plants grow. That's kind of not really ever explained, but she makes things grow and she's addicted to cigarettes and her boyfriend wants her to move in with her, but he doesn't like smoking. So you have to quit smoking. If we're going to stay together, you have to quit smoking. And so she goes to a hypnotherapist to try and get hypnotized to quit smoking. And she's like, but I'm never going to get hypnotized. I'm I'm just, I don't, I'm not, I don't have that kind of constitution. I'm just never going to get hypnotized. And of course, yeah. As soon as like he breaks out the watch, down, out she goes. And uh, as you said, for Barbara Harris, the, the, the great comedian, these mm-hmm. different characters came out while she was under. And uh, and the doctor ends up falling in love with one of the char- characters. And um, and they did the same thing for Streisand. You know, that was the same kind yeah. of premise. So um, Michael Mayer and um, our, our, our adapter, uh, a, a wonderful playwright called Peter Parnell, um had done some really great work and the idea the the idea was which in my mind works is that they moved it into the 60s and it was a gay man in Greenwich Village and he was in love with another man and they wanted to cohabitate and so it's the same story and then when the the boyfriend is like you can't smoke anymore he goes to the doctor and goes out but this time the character that comes out of him is a, is a, a a person who identifies as female and mm-hmm. so as he goes out on the couch up come from behind the couch on an elevator comes Jesse Mueller dressed in like 1940s fabulous clothing done right. by the divine Kathy Zuber and um and so through the course of the first act Harry falls and the doctor falls in love with this past life, this other person in his subconscious. So that as an idea, I love it. It's that's mm-hmm. actually pretty great, right? It's pretty great. And in a studio, it was awesome. And in the summer, it was like it was cooking, it was working, it was great. Um, we ended up doing a reading of it, a presentation of it, kind of a very, very presentational presentation, not on its feet, really, mm-hmm. at the vineyard at the end of that. And it was like really great. And so we had six weeks off and we came back. We knew we were going. We were moving. And we came back and we had another four weeks in the studio, this time uptown. Um, and uh, 
the pressure was on a little bit more. Things felt a little bit different, but um, the work in the room was still really good. And I remember sitting in the final studio run and watching that. And um, this is like the third time I've mentioned my pal, Lauren Lataro, but she happened to be there. And I just remember her crying. Like it was just a beautiful thing about like the, the story was so touching about like um the, the other the other side of all of this is that Her- the character harry plays this is what his wife has recently passed away and so like mm-hmm. this kind of fictional romance of this past life has helped him cope with the passing of his wife right there it's a right. lot we're covering a lot here we're covering Covered a lot. lot yeah 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 a lot going on in that one so what happened next is we moved into the theater and uh it's very auspicious that we talked about the saint james before this because it's very large mm-hmm. and the show downtown was very small yeah and th- there were things that got lost in translation i think um i still stand by the idea that the uh, the fact that the idea works and i just don't know um if we got a fair shot at it for a few reasons um for for a few for a few reasons that I have to I I can only probably share in private over bottles of wine, sure. but I, <laughs> I um but I do think the idea works. The sticky wicket in terms of the physics of the of the problem is that in the original, of course, if you're walking around town on a boat with Barbara Harris's past life, it looks like you're walking around with Barbara Harris. But mm-hmm. the question that got posed in the review from the New York Times is if Harry Connick Jr. is walking around with a gay man in the village, it, wouldn't someone see him walking around with a gay man in the village? Is he with this? So he's seeing Jesse Mueller and falling in love with Jesse Mueller, but really it's David, the, the divine David Turner. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is kind of the, the existential crisis that. Um, was a little bit of the house of cards that fell for us in terms of reception. Sure. My my biggest regret of the whole thing is that it happened so fast that mm. uh, there was never a chance to record it, and it mm-hmm. was it was really before iPhones, <laughs> right. really. And like, so I have a few things. But uh, Larry Yerman did the arrangements, and Doug Besterman did the orchestrations, and they were revolutionary like the 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 pit was was the reason to go see the show and uh i i wish that we had recorded it i mm. really really do uh i i wish for jesse that we recorded it like i think that that's something I, i'll never forget in our sits probe she she stood up to sing her first song and there was like this shimmer through the percussion section and she she was brand new and mm-hmm. she had on this big scarf and she just like grabbed her face and you just heard her on the microphone go. And it was like, it was just magical. I mean, it was just magical. And, and I wish that I wish that the world could have that memory of that production. Mm -hmm. It is a shame. It is a shame. It doesn't have it. I'm a little surprised. I mean, it did it, you know, let, let's, let's, let's give some facts and figures here real fast. Just so people can understand it did close after 57 performances. So like it, I don't even remember it was that many. So I trust ran ran over. from 2011 to 2012 so it ran for two years uh yeah. but uh it was it, it is i i i was surprised that no album was recorded at the time only because it's harry connick jr yes and she was getting all the good reviews and i sort of thought well the album would probably sell if it would just has yeah. harry connick jr's name on it but yes. obviously 
these things cost a lot of money to produce. And when you don't have any money, yes. it's probably we also, not going to get done. We had an opening night party that like would revel Valhalla. Like it was, it would rival Valhalla. Like it was at the plaza. It was like the party must have, I mean, I don't know. Well, this is the story I've heard you tell before because you told me the story of going to that party. And so like when you guys opened, yeah, was the, the sense that like, it, it 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 we did it it works it maybe isn't the best like you know wh- where are you are you like this is going to run forever or you're just sort of not even like you're just like this is so great the audience really liked it what was the sort of opening night vibe of it um we when you're in the machine especially on 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 a show like that that is very i mean we i mean we were very highly anticipated because of harry because it's a problematic show because it was michael like it was we people were people were talking about it's been rewritten like it's got a whole new thing it's very topical like you know yeah lot lots to lots to chatter about at the time so what what i remember is at the beginning of previews going i feel like people should be talking about this more. Like, I I do Mm. feel like there wasn't, no one was really saying anything. And so I was like, I don't, I know I'm new at this, but I feel like that's (laughs) might not be the best thing. And call um, me crazy, call me crazy. But much like we were talking about, you know, kind of hearkening back with mayor and his big swings, there, there's there's very famous, very recent stories about things that just ran this past season that sure. could could have had some cuts that um, people mm-hmm. didn't make um, uh, purposefully for whatever reason. Michael chopped the shit out of that thing. And I remember like I were exhausted and, you know, you've just come out of the, the process and attack process and you're in previews. And it's like the, the fourth day of rehearsal of the week. And they rewrote the whole second half of they, they literally were rearranging scenes and redoing. And so like they were working. And so that's one of those things that I remember watching going, Oh, that's how you do it. Like you have, you don't mm. stop. Like you, mm-hmm. you, even even if it's not right tonight, like after all this work, you don't stop. And yeah, and and it's it's becoming more complicated. Excuse me to do that because of the cost of things and the way things are cute. Like relighting things takes a day. Like it's just an it's mm-hmm. a it's terrible. But like they did it anyway, and that's mm-hmm. what I remember is that they were fighting tooth and nail for this thing, and um. And, and, and I don't know. I mean, I think there was a lot, I think there was a lot stacked against us. I think that, that, the I think there were, there were, there were just inherent plot problems. Um, there were a couple design things maybe that were problematic, but, um, but I kind of stand by the fact that if, and Harry was wonderful and he was so good to us. Like he was, mm-hmm. he was so good to us. But it had it, I wonder what would have happened if it stayed downtown. It's one of those mm-hmm. where I go if it if it stayed downtown, and yeah. and I wonder I wonder it would have been a completely different show even if not a word changed it would have mm-hmm. been a completely different show. Um, but I, I I just wonder, um, but like like we've said it brought us I mean it brought us Jesse Mueller and in many ways yeah. talking bringing it back to a a, sound, a cast album I mm-hmm. wonder if uh, it may be the best thing that ever happened to her that it wasn't recorded because people. Mm. Mm-hmm. wanted to know who she was and there's a famous story about um she she left us we finished and then she played cinderella in the park 
And then that fall we had a hurricane. Yes. And so she did um uh what was the what's the um Edwin Drood at Roundabout. And the the story goes something like she went in an audition for this track in Drood, and Scott Ellis, who was directing it, the artistic director at Roundabout, was like, um, I love loved you in clear day i have to work with you like it, it, it didn't matter like people wanted to know right. who she was and yeah. um and so i think that that kind of mystery around her is something that i think i wonder if that really ended up fueling yeah her career you know people it, wanted it, to see her yeah that you couldn't get her any other way like you had yeah. to like this mythical it is true when when things move into legend like that a little yeah. bit yeah but then also yeah. and she has the talent to back it up it it may you're maybe you, you might be right i think she would have been okay anyway but i but i yeah. I, I think you but i want to i want to she also had the balls to move right like she like that's, that's true. she's from chicago and i go right it's, she's she is like you know i'll yep. I, i'm i'm one of her biggest fans i think she's 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 it she is one of us mm -hmm. in the trenches and does the work yeah Oh, it's absolutely true. She certainly it 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 seems that she she know she's very savvy knows and knows what she's what she's doing in that in that sense. Um, but I don't I do I don't want to leave opening night just yet because <laughs> the, the only because I think the oh. thing that also kind of gets lost in the sort of equation is that you go to opening night and the show is what it is, yeah. and you know, you're a swing. Mm -hmm. You're you're there. You're you're you know you're in some of the press photos. Your name's on the poster. We took a picture of that, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, and then you go to this huge party, huge party at the Plaza Hotel, and you're buzzing and you're dressed and you go home and I, you've told me and you read the New York Times review, and then where are like then what happens i was living in Bro i was living in brooklyn at the time and i was living in a building where like you entered on the street and then you had to like go up a set of stairs and then it opened into like an outside area like a level above mm -hmm. the street that had some benches and then the actual apartments and i remember i was i i i as you said you're like you know tripping the light fantastic and i i probably splurged and took a taxi home and like i you know i got out of the i got out of the cab and i was like walking up the stairs and i was like oh my god the review must must be out and yeah. i remember opening my my phone and reading the review and having to sit down on one of the benches outside my apartment because i was just i couldn't i i couldn't believe it like it was so not good <laughs> it was yeah. so good and um and and you know I, it's just one of those things where you go When I moved to New York, I said, all I want to do is make a living in the theater, working on highly anticipated projects with really important people. And I got everything I wanted. I should have been more specific. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, well, you, know, you I, live, you learn. You know, I know, and, and, and we were still doing things the way the old way then. So, like, I think we opened on a Sunday. We were off on Monday, so everybody was like licking their wounds right. on the day off. And um, and then we came to the theater on Tuesday, and we just kind of had to do the thing. And I, I don't remember it being a th the other thing that's really hard, and it's hard to to like kind of explain the importance of this unless you're in it but like we opened in december yeah which is like not 
Right. So yeah. we the, even the time of year wasn't good for us because like there was, you know, I think they were they were hoping for holidays. To, I mean, anybody that opens in the summer or opens in the fall, my heart just goes out to them because like just in terms of get, getting an audience when kids are at school, like back right back at school or over the holidays where you, you know, you open and it's like no one's going to like a Broadway show while they're, you know, still recovering from Hanukkah and Christmas. And like they're right. all just like, you know, four thousand pounds and on the couch and drinking more wine. So it was a really rough time of year for a little niche kind of show to open. And, um, but I just remember we kind of just, we, we, we kept going and um, there is, there is, he's still with us, but um, an, an infamous um, uh, got theater gossip writer called Michael Riedel, who's actually like kind of cool and his mm. books are great but he was not very kind to our show in his mm -hmm. column and so he would be like dishing dirt and things like that and um you know about things that are going on behind the scenes that none of us had any idea what was what was happening and sure. you know weird things would happen like you would see eric honick jr's assistant like carrying things out of his dressing room at the end of the night and you'd be like <laughs> can't be a good thing that can't be a good thing. right and and uh but like people were coming like you know people you walk you leave the building and like mariska hargitay would be like waiting for him outside mm -hmm. his dressing room to say hi like it was still sure. like buzzy but then January comes and in January it's like the Broadway graveyard. And so once we hit that, it was, it was just, it was people, it was hard to get an audience. It was really, really hard to get an audience. And, sure. and people, the other tricky thing about, um, about celebrities like Harry in a show is the perfect marriage creatively with him, I think was pajama game because I mean, mm -hmm. it's a great book show. The score is amazing. He got to play the piano. He sang standards. Um, everyone from Long Island in New Jersey that is into Harry Connick Jr. Came and fawned and they got what they wanted. He was like a moody widower mm -hmm. looking for love. Like it was just, it wasn't what people knew of him. And yeah. again, big fucking swings. Sometimes you take a swing and it works and sometimes you don't. And he took a big swing. Well, it's a it actually is in every iteration. I think the thing the authors and the rewriters ignore is that the actual problem of the show is that character. Yeah. Because it is, as we as we described it in the Patreon podcast, it is another in Barbara Streisand's series of unethical psychiatrist uh, movies. Because she's done a bunch, shockingly. Like, she's done a ton where the, there's an unethical psychiatrist as a main character. And that character is kind of aggressively unlikable if you're given time to think about it. Yes. And it sounds like you're saying like when people are like, wait a minute, if he's walking around downtown with Jesse Mueller, isn't it, isn't everyone else actually seeing David Turner? Like what yes. is going on? And yes. if you have all that time to think about the machinations of what's like of the details, you, you've lost the audience. Like they, they're yes. not, they, they shouldn't be thinking in that moment. They should just yes. be experiencing. Yes. And that is a character who cannot afford, who cannot afford thought until like later when you're like, Oh, that was kind of weird. He did that. Like that's bizarre. Yeah. That's fine. But like in the moment you need to be with him and enjoying the journey. And he's, he's not a great guy. And there's something distracting about one actor playing a few different parts that might make you overlook that. But when yeah. it's, when it's definitely two people that right. are popping up, you're like, there's yeah. so many things going on. Um, but I, I, 
I remember when we finally, I remember we got, we had a couple of weird meetings too. There's like never mm -hmm. good meetings, you know, when they're like, could the company please come to the stage? And we had right. one of them and we all came down and they were like, you're going to be hearing things. You're going to be, but they're not mm -hmm. true. And then like three days later, we had a meeting. Could the company please come to the right. stage? Right. They're all true. <laughs> they're all true. <laughs> and I just remember we all kind of dispersed. And I, I think we all knew that it was not a show that was going to be long for this world, but, um, but there was like we've been saying there were special things about it but i remember carrie o'malley um who played like a colleague of harry's who happened to be his wife's best friend like very you know talk mm -hmm. about complicated um like subplots but um um she was just forlorn and like walking at me in the hallway and she just grabbed me and hugged me and held me and whispered in my ear but i just got a gym membership and I, that's what I remember of our, our, our closing meeting. She'd relocated from LA and she's like, but I just oh, God. membership. Oh no. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. like fully earnestly, fully right. earnest, like no, not oozing with, with irony or comedy at right. all. She, <laughs> no, no, that's well, but those are the real life practical considerations that yes. have to have like, made and yes. get like, I wouldn't have done that if I'd known. I know. I wouldn't have, I know. You know, wouldn't have taken the taxi back from the from the opening night party exactly. all the way to Brooklyn. Exactly. What about uh, Tupperware to the opening night party? Right. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been nice. Hey, that would have been great on the subway. Uh oh man. It is I I I appreciate you opening like telling everybody but not opening up exactly it's not a secret but like telling people about it because i think that there's this thing with the shows that don't reach their full potential or whatever you want to call them that they get it, it's it's either like a crazy story or a silly story or whatever but the thing about clear day to me seems to be like it's just one of those things it just like this isn't moose murders this isn't glory days it just it just didn't go like for yeah. what it, like it looked it really looked like it was going to go and yeah. it just didn't go but it's yeah. still but still things came out of it things yeah. happened from it and everybody kind of came out you know on the other on the other end and it's yeah. a real like you know and it's also i mean it's the first thing i had to like take care of too so like they, they everybody left and for you know the five days that we were running, um, I but like through understudy rehearsals and any kind of press stuff, so that was really kind of my first foray into that kind of maintenance and that kind of I mean responsibility is a silly word, but like that kind of um you know telling Harry Connick what to do and he listens, you know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. like that's like um and so that was really the beginning of the rest of my my career, like going oh I think this is there's particularly on a show that was problematic going oh wow 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 mm -hmm. i don't know if i know how to fix this right now but one day i'd like to fix something like this you know yeah um it was it, it really was the, the the catalyst for me well and it's so funny because the other thing that i like you were mentioning your your knees and the concrete floor and toby's and doing cats but what is so funny is like the time i saw you right before that is was in la you were touring with chicago Yes, and yes. you at that point, which was only like a year earlier, it year, was not like, yeah. somebody, but you were like, I got to get out of performance because my body's breaking down. And I remember being like, you're younger than me, but not like you're 20, you're in your late 20s at that point. And it was a real moment for me of being like, oh, like, yeah, like that really, that's what happens. You dance your face off for 10 years and then your body's just like okay <laughs> and scene and yeah. you're 
and it's also something people have seen, I think, but it, it really needs to be repeated and drawn out. The, we just watched um, the great uh, PBS did the great performances when In the Heights opened on Broadway. They yes. interviewed all the people. Yes, yes. And there's a lot of stuff in that about the guy who played Graffiti Pete, like his icing and ibuprofen regimen yep. to like keep yeah. his body working. And I remember Bobby was watching that being like, why does he have to do that? I'm like, well, buddy, hang Like he's yeah. an athlete. He's a professional athlete, basically. Yeah. And his his body can only take so much damage. Yes. It's like the lady. It's not going to work. It's like the lady of the evening says, right? It's not the work, it's the stairs. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's the auditions and it's, the, it's New York and it's, it's the, the, the concert, the free concert stuff you do. And the, it's the Broadway care stuff. It's like, you're, you're always moving. Like you were always working yeah. and you're always dancing. And um, Chicago is crazy because um, it, it was the guy who I replaced had like a, uh, for, for an actor had a great track. He had like any feature that was available. I had no, it's nothing anybody would know, but it kept me busy. You know, like I was busy mm-hmm. through the evening. I'd do something here and then t- five minutes I'd do something else. I, but you know, I wasn't just sitting in a chair and mesh in the dark the right. whole night. But um, so I was moving, but like, and you know, we have we, uh, other friends of ours were on that tour with me yes. and like right. we commiserate about this as well. Um, go Catholic university and, yes. um, and about how um, the scenes in Chicago are like surprisingly long when you mm-hmm. like really sit down. And so if you've just danced and you're like sweaty and warm, and then you sit for five, that Roxy monologue is brilliant, but long. So you're like yeah. sitting in that chair knowing <laughs> that in three minutes <laughs> and 45 seconds, you have to get over there. And it's like, right. it, it, and that kind of like bursting from like, being warm and then colding and warm and then colding. Um, that's at like in my late twenties where I was like, okay, this is, this has been great, but like, I, you know, <laughs> there's a, there's a, there's something, there's something else for me, I think, which, which honestly sure. that, that experience led me to what ended up becoming the relationship, um, the creative relationship that took me through clear day. And then 10 years after that, basically um, working mm-hmm. for an incredible woman called Joanne Hunter, who's, you know, choreographed, who's kind of like in the Andrew Lloyd Webber empire right now. Well, and then that's um, how you got into, as we like your triumphant return to Broadway, which is School uh, yes. of Rock. Yes. yes. Which is, had, yes. a, had a slight, slightly different experience. Than slightly the different experience. Slightly yeah. different. Well, 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 yeah, slightly different experience. Yeah. We were a critics pick, I suppose you could say. So like, in that way, we were successful. <laughs> but um, another MFA in its own right, you know, there yeah, was a, sure. lot of, a lot of lessons in that one, too. Yeah. Oh, well, that's yeah. a whole about And you were in charge, not in charge necessarily, but you did all the kids. Right. So that was like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, 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 yeah, I put the company together. I held the company together. I, I set the show on four continents. Like I maintained it in, you know, over, over the airwaves in Australia. It was nuts. But again, you're like, oh, right. This is, this is, you know, this is what this, it was training. It was like, oh, that's the work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the guys, the guys who do the Tonys do all the stuff for CBS, like the, 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 the DP and the director and all mm -hmm. that stuff. So whenever you do like CBS Sunday morning or whenever you do any of those, it's like the guys that do the Tonys. So the day that I just remember there was a, it might've been the parade, but like, we never got to do the, the, the real parade. We, we did the CBS parade. So right. like, we didn't do Macy's. We And so, but what's cool about that is they come to you. So we shot mm-hmm. something at the winter garden and it was like, really, you know, it was controlled and good. Um, but uh, nobody could show up that day. So like, I remember running that day. And so it was like, we were doing the capture for the broadcast and, you know, I was the one directing the day. And it's like, mm-hmm. 
I, I am not at the moment, I was not qualified per se to be doing that. And like running back and forth between video village and like making sure that people are happy and like, but it was training, you know, in that way, mm -hmm. those two jobs were like the MFA I needed to, to, um, to kind of turn the page into what, what I do now. Well, and that's where, but that is where, that's where we learn. That's where yeah. it, it happens. And it's, it's where you, it it is it's a cliche, but it's very true that nothing is a failure if you take something from it. And it's like this is I, I'm teaching writing at Catholic U right now, and like I spend an inordinate amount of time, I'm told, but I will do it anyway. Um, talking about how everything you write in this class is going to suck. And I like and I say it because this is school. <laughs> like we're yeah. supposed to suck now. But like yeah. you're because I say you're going to go out in the real world and then you're going to suck out there, too. But you have to know how to handle it. You have to know how to take the notes. You have to know how to do it. You you and I had the uh, a great bonding experience early in your college career when I produced or co-produced a production of Greece uh, that we famously didn't have the rights for. And I've told that story before. I'm not going to dwell on it. But one thing. That at the time I didn't appreciate, but it's very true uh, that our our mutual uh, mentor, uh, Jane Pesci Townsend, kept saying to me throughout that entire experience, she kept saying we'd have these crisis meetings where like we're going to get sued by Sam French. Like I am 20 years old and like we are having these meetings and I'm like, how do I talk to the like, blah, blah, blah. And at the end of the meeting, she'd go, you're learning so much. And I was just like at the time. I don't right. care. Like, I don't want right. to learn, but, but right. she is a thousand percent right that now when I, it is really weird how you can, after, after you go through that and you, and you survive and you yes. learn all that stuff, you come out on the other side. And when you, you're faced with another kind of similar crisis, you're like, Oh, I, I can do that. Like I've done this before. This is all we yes. do. And blah, blah, yes. blah, blah, blah. And you know, it was and like, as I've said before in the show, I was not, I, I had no her grand heroics on the show, but I had to handle all the fallout, which is like the, so it's like all the, all the pain and none of the, none of the glory. <laughs> and, but it really did teach me a tremendous amount about producing and teach me a tremendous amount about like the real, the realities of doing a show. And when you have experiences like you had so early, it's not early in your career exactly, but it's early in your career behind the table. Yeah. You you're really it's you know you're you're thrown in the deep end right away yeah. yeah and since your career thrived after that like, because there are versions of the story that don't end quite as happily for people where like sure. and that is the end of that sure. uh <laughs> sure. which is why sometimes it's good not to be the the front of the line behind the table you're like two or three yes. rows back and that's that yes. can be helpful uh, yes. a little plausible deniability never hurt anybody yes. but it uh but it's great you have to go through it you can't just thrive and th because i'm also sure even though we've been singing her praises and saying just you know jesse mueller came out of that show great that had to be hard for her too and i'm sure she learned a lot about herself and her role with the public and how to be political with a cast when you're the only one who really got good reviews like that's yeah. not fun uh yeah. either for anybody nobody yeah. likes being you know and so how do you handle that how do you deal with a star you know how yeah. do you handle all this stuff i'm sure she came out of that show like a seasoned pro like in a seriously lot of ways. yeah and like and i think that for anything anything we do it's like if there's like an 18 month delay no matter what you do so if it's a flop or if it's a hit nothing's gonna happen for you for 18 months like it's just the way it is it takes that mm -hmm. long to get something else going on and so i think about her all the time where i go that when she came out of that smelling like roses and it didn't go so so well for the rest of us um she 
what that period right afterwards must have felt like for her because she probably didn't reap the benefits of an experience like that mm-hmm. until in fact i know she didn't it, for at least until the, i mean the park was a, it was a huge lucky break and and she deserved it but then you know it, then it was um um, she got nice work. If she had nice work, if you can get it, she yeah. a replacement in that. But that's not yeah. a, that's not the same thing. Like she, yeah. yeah it, but it's not so, until beautiful that she yeah. really, you know. And that's three years later, which is yeah, an, an eternity in, yeah. in a theater career. Yeah, so. and like, and but particularly those first few months after it, where she's like, I, I mean, I mean, we could ask her, but like, she, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I left home. I don't live in Chicago right. anymore. I'm subletting in. I mean, like you say, she's just got a gym membership. She probably just got an apartment. Like, I she know, probably just like, and she probably, again, because this is what you do, she probably got a slightly nicer apartment than she maybe thought she was going to get. Actually, because, I will tell you, I'll tell you this. Oh. She, she sublet for a very long time. She was a smart ah. never, deco- <laughs> never decorate, never decorate your dressing room until the reviews come out and nice, always right. sub- sublet until the residuals begin. <laughs> there you go. All right. That's good. Those are pro tips right there, folks. You're getting, you're getting absolute pro tips. Uh, ah, this is fantastic. It's so good to talk to you. So I'm going to ask, even though we spent like only 20 seconds on it, it feels like, but what do you have a favorite song in swing? <laughs> yeah, I think I think that like and I think I will never be embarrassed about this comment, but I think that um, Anne Hampton Calloway's I'll Be Seeing You is one of the most beautiful mm. things that's ever oh, that's been recorded. Choice. It's that's really, really stunning. Like it's mm-hmm. stunning. And it's the kind of thing that makes you go. How is that art for? How is like her at a piano at Birdland not something that we all like make a pilgrimage to once in our lifetime? Because that mm-hmm. singing and like her at a piano doing something like that is just everything. It's everything. Oh yeah, she's great. I think universe. I think everyone agrees, and she's got that nanny money, so everybody's yeah. pretty pretty happy. With I know. Her, right? I wonder what she's doing. <laughs> we should put her in a show. We should. <laughs> Call Liz, get Ann. They do. They Seriously. tour sometimes. You know what I mean? Yes. It works. Everybody's good. Got to have it with the Cowboys. Um, so what are you working on now? What you got? What do you have going on? Where can people find you on the internet? What's uh, what's happening? Yes, you can you can keep track of me at it's Patrick O'Neill on Instagram. I have a lovely website uh, called uh, patrickoneal.me. Um, so you can check me out there. I am um I have a couple of things in the pipeline that um I I uh I'm excited about uh, I, the two of the projects. I kind of can't really talk about yet Sorry. because we're still waiting on fund, funding. One of them, they keep talking about coming into Broadway in next season, which is hilarious because it's almost next season. But um, <laughs> one of these years, we'll get it in. I have a show right. in London that I'm developing um, that I co-wrote that we're uh, waiting on a little bit of funding. Imagine that. Uh, mm-hmm. But we're, we're moving towards it. And it's great. The other thing that I I just launched last week that I'm probably most proud of at the moment is um, a buddy of mine, Sam Davis, uh, is a dance arranger. And he was just uh, nominated for Tony for New York, New York. Very fancy. Mm-hmm. And um, for his arrangements. And um, we, during the pandemic, were talking about how dance arranging is an untaught skill. 
Mm-hmm. And the only way you know it is if you're assisting people in the room. And so we created a, a, a program called the Time Step Symposium. And uh, we brought Susan Stroman and Andy Blankenbuehler and Alex Lackamore and David Crane and my Joanne Hunter and Sam Davis together last week. And we had this forum that was broadcast around the world talking about how they work and um, and what they do and what their process is and how some of their most iconic moments kind of were brought to life. And so ultimately next season, next year, that's going to be turned into a five-week um, uh, uh, workshop for professionals, kind of like a BMI situation, mm-hmm. um, mid-career choreographers and music directors that will collaborate on uh, Think Like Project Runway, but not a competition. Like sure. this this week will be a contemporary thing that Andy and Alex will do and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Right. So um, the end of it, you they, they leave with community and mentors. And so that's kind of... Um, uh, aside from creative work, that kind, particularly in a post-pandemic environment, that kind of cultivation of community feels really important because um, everybody still, particularly in New York, still feels quite solitary. So, um, where I'm really excited about that, just for for um, hanging out with Susan Stroman more, and um, and and just bringing people together in a way that feels conducive to creativity and the proliferation of what we love. Patrick, thank you so much. My pleasure. Oh my gosh, I'll talk to you about swing any day. I'll be seeing you in all the old familiar places. Let this heart of mine embraces all day through. original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. Please rate and review the original cast on your podcatcher of choice. It's the easiest way to help other listeners find the show. Go to bit.ly slash originalcaststore for original cast merchandise like t-shirts, tote bags, and more. Become a patron of the original cast at patreon.com slash originalcastpod so you can listen to our bonus podcast, The Original Cast at the Movies. On the socials, we're at originalcastpod. Special thanks to our social media manager, Bethany Zalecki. Oh, hi, Bethany. My thanks to Patrick O'Neill for coming and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn. And I can't. I have rehearsal. I'll be